1: Hi, I'm Sabrina Steerwalt, and I'm Everyday Einstein, bringing you quick and dirty tips to help you make sense of science. Today we are here with John Palfreyman, an Emmy, DuPont, and Peabody Award-winning journalist and a professor emeritus of journalism at the University of Oregon. John has written a very powerful and very insightful book called Brainstorms, The Race to Unlock the Mystery of Parkinson's Disease, which is available now. Today, there are roughly 1 million Americans living with Parkinson's, and about 60,000 new cases each year. John's book delves into the history of our knowledge of the disease, as well as his personal experiences with Parkinson's. Welcome, John. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Pleasure to be here.
1: The story of how this book came to be has been at least 30 years in the making. Can you tell us a bit about your first exposure to the world of Parkinson's and the path since then that has led to brainstorms?
0: Well, it's pretty ironic because about 30 years ago when my career was starting as a journalist, I did a story on Parkinson's disease. And it was a fantastic story. It was about some a group of California drug addicts who froze up, unable to speak or talk. And it turned out they'd taken a banned badge of synthetic drug, which given them instant Parkinson's disease. And it looked at the time as though it was going to lead to some big, big developments in in and possible cures. And that that story launched my career. And I always re- remained interested in Parkinson's disease. So I felt it was very ironic that of all the diseases I should get 30 years later, it was was actually Parkinson's disease itself. And I I would like to say that I reacted in a sophisticated way, but Basically, the, the news that I got, it was quite devastating. And it took me quite a while to process the information. I got angry. I denied it. I tried to, to keep it secret. But uh, eventually, I came to the thinking that I had a, an opportunity, a destiny almost, as a journalist who worked on this field and as a patient who had insights about Parkinson's to explore this, this malady that now affected my life and 60,000 other people every year and to try and contribute to that knowledge of it. So that's what led to this book, Brainstorms.
1: Wow. So much of the history of Parkinson's that you explore in the book surrounds the complications associated with drug trials. In particular, how controversial the results can be due to uncertainties with the placebo effect and proper dosages. Do you have any advice for those listeners that may be struggling to interpret their own doctor's medical advice? how do you translate those odds and uncertainties especially when we have that emotional response that you describe and what we really want is a concrete answer
0: well biomedical research is very slow and very hard and I like to think of it it sits at the intersection of truth and hope and science and journalism you know you, you have to be interested in what's actually true at the moment what what's what what the science actually says but patients and and I think medical researchers need need to have hope that but sometime in the future, things will get better. And the problem comes when you when you have studies that everybody wants to be true, that, that actually sort of lead you into a kind of um, an over-optimistic stance. There, there were a whole series of studies in Parkinson's disease aimed at trying to protect or to revive or to even replace the dopamine cells that are damaged in Parkinson's. And when these were done as what are called open-label studies, when these were done where the patient and the Clinician knew who'd actually got the treatment. Um, it seemed to work, but when actually people did control, placebo-controlled trials, and some of these, some of these, it has to be said, involve surgery. So they involve what's called sham surgery, where you you bring people into a trial and you tell them they're getting the operation, but they're getting you just drill a hole in their head and s- sew it up afterwards. And when when you actually did that, it turned out that these effects were not did not hold up they they were they were basically people got better but they didn't get better for the reasons they got better better because they expected to get better and i think the history of parkinson's disease research and and a lot of biomedical research is, for that reason has a lot of disappointment in it and i think you have to be realistic as a patient that things take a long time things do happen but but, but the sort of notion of a miracle cure is 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 pretty rare in medicine and and that's, that's really because of this intersection between truth and hope. We, we, need, we need both. We need good science, but we've always got to keep hoping that we can find something new to keep us going.
1: I really like that, the intersection of truth and hope. So speaking of that search for truth, how has your profession as a science journalist influenced your interactions with your doctors? How can listeners facing any disease or illness learn from your approach and experiences?
0: Well, the problem I had as a, as a journalist doing this is I I wanted people to tell me the truth. I didn't want them to give me answers um, that were softer or more dressed up because they were worried they might hurt my feelings or might make me depressed or demoralised. And that's my dealings with my doctors and and with researchers. I'm I don't see there's any purpose in not knowing what's really true. And I and I think that's the difficulty um, because people. It 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 is it is a challenging disease, and and clinicians get used to dealing. Clinicians want to keep people hopeful and positive, and so they they sometimes tend to exaggerate the benefits and play down the the the, the problems. But my dealings, uh, you know, my training as a journalist, a science journalist, is I I want. There's no point not knowing what's really true. You you once you know what's really the facts then you know that this particular treatment may not work and you go on and you look for something else and your attention will go somewhere else. So I think it's always better to know the truth. And I think you've just got to keep finding a way to stay positive, even in the face of setbacks. But there's no point pretending setbacks aren't real. If if they're not going to work, they're not going to work. Thank you. That's great
1: advice. I personally have a close family member living with Parkinson's. Could you leave me and our listeners with your top maybe one or two most important pieces of advice to help us better understand such a complex illness? In particular, how can we offer the best support?
0: Well, one of the one of the things that happens when you get a disease is you become a member of a new tribe. You become joined to all these other people you never would have met who have the same condition as you. And the first advice piece of advice I would give is to is to connect with this community, because it's it's full of some absolutely remarkable people who show great sort of courage and inspiration. You know, there's, um, in the book I mentioned, there's a a surveyor, a British surveyor, who, when he got the disease, he walked around the coastline of Great Britain, 4,500 miles to raise money for a new Parkinson charity that he runs. There's a dancer, Pam Quinn, a New York ballet dancer who teaches Parkinson patients how to trick their bodies into move better. And there's loads of people like this who are just very, very inspirational, who motivate you to keep going and keep a positive attitude. The second thing is that you've got to remember is you can live long and well with PD if you don't waste a lot of time. One of the things that is a no brainer is exercise. Exercise is, is 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 fantastic for people with Parkinson because it keeps them mobile, it makes falls less necessary. It's probably neuroprotective. It's you know, we think it's very good for staving off cognitive Impairment and that kind of thing, and and it just keeps you positive and keep going, and really try and try and understand your own body because you you know a lot. I mean, the the, the, the issue of Parkinson, you you might go and see your neurologist once every four or five or six months, and that's not very often. You're the best sort of reporter of what's going on, and you by making small changes, you can actually improve your life quite considerably. There's basically two types of treatments you can think of, two types of interventions that are possible. There's there's the what are called disease modifying interventions. And these are these are the sort of the holy grail of every disease. And at the moment, the best sort of likelihood in Parkinson's is the the disease, the cells are caught the the reason the cells die is because of a a protein called alpha synuclein, which goes rogue and it forms sticky clumps and jumps from neuron to neuron, killing it. And everybody's working on ways to get things into the body which will break up these clumps so that that's that's disease modifying but then there's an awful lot you can do if you've got the disease to 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 treat the symptoms you you know we're very lucky in parkinsons because we've got this drug that was discovered 50 years ago called levodopa which enables you to go on for years and years i mean before levodopa parkinson patients died within six or seven years now they live 20 25 even 30 years and then there's two other things. Then there's exercise, which I've already mentioned, which can make a huge difference to modifying the symptoms. And there's even a surgical technique called deep brain stimulation, which has hitherto been a bit hit or miss, but I, I predict this is going to become quite sophisticated as a way of, of actually trying to sort of reboot bad brain circuits down the road. You know, every time my tremor starts to come on, the circuit will kick in and knock it out. So I, I, I can see all kinds of possibilities like that coming down the road. So there are grounds for optimism, but having said that, it takes psychological courage. You've got to stay positive and stay upbeat, and one way to do that is to seek out other Parkinson patients who may inspire you.
1: Thank you so much for joining us, John.
0: My pleasure, Sabrina.
1: John's brave and fascinating account of the history of Parkinson's disease was released on September 15, 2015. So look for brainstorms. The Race to Unlock the Mysteries of Parkinson's Disease. Thank you, John. Take care. Until next time, this is Sabrina Steerwalt with Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for helping you make sense of science. You can become a fan of Everyday Einstein on Facebook or follow me on Twitter where I'm at QDT Einstein. If you have a question that you'd like to see on a future episode, send me an email at everydayeinstein at quickanddirtytips.com. Hey everyday Einstein fans! If you like listening to my podcast, why not subscribe to our Quick and Dirty Tips newsletters? You'll get exclusive content, offers, and more delivered right to your inbox. Just head over to quickanddirtytips.com slash newsletters to learn more. That's quickanddirtytips.com slash newsletters.